0: This is Season 2, Episode 19, and you're listening to This is Level Excellence. Hi, welcome back to another episode with me, Zoya, your host, and you're listening to The Black Sprout. This week, we're talking about Black Excellence. So, you may be asking yourself, Zoya, what qualifies you to speak on Black Excellence? You know, um, did you want my CV? You can have it. I really just redid it. I'm looking for jobs always, preferably in the media um, and production industry. Hi, it's me. I do a lot of work. Anyway, I'm joking. I'm I'm black. Therefore, I can speak on black excellence per period. It is what it is. No, I'm joking. Um, I was coming across uh, this idea because um, it's Black History Month and I've done an episode on love and I mean obviously I did it because of you know Valentine's Day but I specifically took you know a bell hooks um book and like opinion and approach or whatever because it's Black History Month okay like obviously I speak about black issues because I'm a black woman but it's Black History Month <laughs> and within Black History Month there is this push and there's this emphasis to highlight black individuals who display characteristics and actions of excellence. And I want to start off by explaining what is black excellence? Sort of where did the term come from and what was its purpose? So the term black excellence refers to a high level of achievement, success or ability demonstrated by an individual black person or black people in general. So sometimes it's used in reference to goals and aspirations and achievements. Right. So this is all in the pursuit of success. Originally, the term was coined during the civil rights movement. Okay, so it was used to amplify, shun black communities during the Jim Crow era. Right. So think racially segregated area um, and black people and communities were trying to really bring awareness and representation. Right. The fight and the the. Yeah, the fight, honestly, for representation and for fair treatment has been since the beginning of time and. I think it's interesting that there are just these different iterations of how do we amplify the communities that you are shunning. So we have hashtag black excellence, hashtag black girl magic, hashtag, you know, all these, these um, reminders and moments to highlight, you know, a group of people that are not receiving the recognition that they do. It is really about solidarity, right? In one term, you've created solidarity because anyone who is familiar with achieving high levels of achievement, success, or ability, or who work towards those things are familiar that that is what we categorize black excellence as. And there is a sense of unity when you find a group that work towards the same goal as you and strive towards the same things as you and has the same you know values as you. And so, One thing, though, that I think we have to talk about right off the bat, you know, normally we get into the juicy stuff later on, but is the idea that there's a focus on conventional notions of success when it comes to black excellence, right? So, aka, we are talking about white supremacy and respectability politics. Now, I've talked about respectability politics in other episodes because it's honestly really important. Um, I think that a lot of us are living under the rules and the restrictions of respectability politics. And I think sometimes we don't realize consciously that we're playing into those things. Why is it that you find um, or you categorize success as being, you know, a doctor, right? Versus maybe another non nontraditional um, field where you also can be as successful, right? And have recognition. Um, I didn't want to name one. One popped into my head, but I didn't want to name one exactly because it's like, that's the point, right? Break away from what we expect excellence to look like. So while I was going through my research and really trying to build a case for black excellence, and my case is really the fight against black excellence, not because I think that It is um, not important or not something that black people should be striving for in terms of achievements and success and ability. But I think that when we link our achievements and success and abilities to institutions that have historically disenfranchised us and disproportionately affect us, right? Like... Achievements, when we think about achievements, what achievements are we talking about? Educational pursuits and like, um, you know, career goals and things like that. And we don't think about the ways that those things come with their own sets of barriers. So the BC community had written an acknowledgement and I had thought it was interesting and one I had wanted to share because um, they specifically talk about black excellence and where it came from right and I think that whenever we have a discussion um, it's important to take a full perspective and a full like view of it right so anyway let me read you what their statements is I'm gonna read like excerpts from it and just explain different aspects and what I thought was important about their acknowledgement so one I wanted to bring it because I think linking so many Canadian topics and experience to canadian things is important okay like i'm in canada talking about black excellence and i want to start looking for those canadian examples of what we're talking about because the reason that we have these gaps or these you know let's find other ways to portray our excellence is because we are so used to you know one names or two names or a couple names like Let's be honest, when it comes to Black History Month, there are a couple names that we are quick to jump to. We just know them. And to me, it's laziness on our part. And if anything, I would argue, I know this is a hot take, I would argue that our continual use of the same public figures, black public figures, is anti-blackness because, to me, it is very apparent Or I guess I shouldn't say that because I'm trying to prove my point, but it is. It's a very apparent to me that by us only naming, you know, four or five black individuals that have been highlighted and been approved by our institutions and society as acceptable um, advocates and revolutionists and whatever term we want to tie them to, but they are like deemed okay by society standards. And we understand that society standards means nothing. Okay? Years ago, we were only acknowledging two genders based on society standards. Years ago, we were acknowledging that, you know, oh, well, if you happen to have a Gucci between your legs, you need to stay in the home and take care of the kids and, you know, run the house years ago and we have laws and understandings that reflect these things so you should never you should never look to the society to be your standard of what is good and bad and what is right and wrong because they were never right society's values and opinions are just a reflection of what they deem is acceptable at that time and not what truly is acceptable right and so In their statement of acknowledgement, they say this, the term black excellence was born out of the civil rights movements in the 1960s. While there is a long history of outstanding black British Columbians from political figures such as Emery Barnes and Rosemary Brown to cultural icons such as Eleanor Collins and Harry Jerome. Today is a day to recognize those who are inspiring the children and the youth of the present. If we are talking about individuals that are inspiring children and youth of the present, would it not be apparent for us to move past the four, like, prominent figures that we've been naming for the last 50 years? And I think that the act of continuing to name people like Martin Luther King and like Rosa Parks and... um linking black excellence and black um i don't know like overcoming i don't know on them is a way for us to distance our understanding of what anti-black racism and discrimination look like because if we are not able to tell our children of today black people and figures that they should look up to that are fighting against you know like racial inequities and you know discrimination, where are their leaders coming from, right? Like, if we are fighting the same fight, were there not other people that took on the baton? And so when I see these names pop up, it's the reason why our history, our black history in Canada is not so rich. And I think I can say that confidently because we are expecting to receive education from school, right? From kindergarten until grade 12, I'm expected to be in those classrooms and to be taught subjects and courses and classes that are supposed to teach me how to contribute to society and to become a full adult in this world. And yet, the people we say that are important to forming our country and creating the like the world we know today we don't know we don't know I'm sorry if you knew who Emery Barnes was please like I'll send you (laughs) five dollars I'm joking I'm joking I don't got money like that I got I got bills to pay for but like I like uh, who are these people I never heard of them maybe if you were like uh into politics or something maybe you would have known but like you're telling me these names were familiar to you Viola Desmond's name was only one that I feel like was pushed into society as a prominent black Canadian figure in the last like maybe eight to 10 years. Okay, because I feel like I wasn't hearing those names until mid high school when I was running the Black History Club at my high school. And we were trying to, you know, expand people's understandings of what it is to be black in this world right? The reason we have so much homogenization is because we can only name like four black people. (laughs) No, I'm joking. But you know what I mean? Like Emery Barnes is, sorry, they mentioned him, right? In 1994, he became the first black speaker in Canada. 1994. We are in just 2023. That is mind-blowing, that in Canada up until 1994, there was not a black speaker. You have Rosemary Brown, who was first a social worker turned politician, who later became the first woman, black woman, but woman to run for leadership for a federal political party. Why are these not names we're talking about? March is Women's History Month. And you have So many names and people that we want to recognize, or I mean, in terms of like that we continue to recognize and bring up their names, uncover the history of the ones we have not told. What are we doing? We are erasing. We are erasing the contributions and the history of these people, yet we're demanding that the black community show us excellence always at all times. And so it says this. At the same time, we recognize that black British Columbians continue to face disproportionate barriers as a result of systemic racism and discrimination. Equity and anti-racism work are foundational to all our government's efforts to build a truly inclusive province. I wanted to add that excerpt in at the end because I just finished doing an internship um, in the city Working in social housing, um, where I was reviewing policy and doing anti-black racism and anti earth and um, equity and diversity inclusivity work. Right. So, in the corporate world, they love their acronyms and abbreviations. Okay. So, A B R E D I. Know your know your words. <laughs> no I'm joking. But um, so basically, what it meant was when introducing policy and reviewing policy, consider the fact that. This is going to affect black people and black people are going to be affected by this policy. How are they going to be affected? How are we not thinking about the ways that black communities, traditions, practices and culture is ignored by policy? How does policy continue to um, harm people without explicitly sometimes saying that they're harming these people right and yet we see the the effects of these things and so for a government to acknowledge that not only do they have to do anti-racism work and equity work and that they know that it is a systemic issue is just very clear to me that it is important that we start acknowledging these things like Obviously, it's great that you said anti-racism and you put these words in the statement, right? Like words mean nothing, actions mean all. But I think that even starting there where you're acknowledging the ways that like government policy and institution is the root of the problem, that it doesn't matter how many people change hands and change positions and hand off and switch in these roles. But at the core, these systems are the problem and that if we keep using the same system it's broken okay you know how they say if it's broken if it's not broke don't fix it well it's the other way it's broken It, it keeps being broken you keep handing it to the next person broken wondering why it won't work right because it's broken and it's been broken but it was meant to be broken and that's the other thing the system is doing exactly what it wants to and so every time when people say like Oh my gosh, I'm surprised why, I don't know why. Why are people not? If you just, the system is working exactly as it's supposed to. It is meant to disenfranchise those that they want to other and racialize, and it does that. I promise you, my three months in my internship reviewing housing policy and the ways that the black community is harmed by housing policy is mind-blowing or the ways that people justify inhumane treatment in unlivable conditions because of class and race and we hide these things behind other structures as I e like class like i mentioned first but it's a race thing right and it's all interconnected let me get back on topic i don't know clearly i just got passionate for a second because let me circle back like I feel like it is so not off topic like what I'm talking about anti-blackness and and black excellence to me goes hand in hand but it can seem that way because I think like I said, all these systems work that they're the way they're supposed to, and they're intertwined with each other. And so when one affects in one area, it affects in another, the domino effect. So if you know that like to have ex- black excellence is to have education, well, the opposite would be like to not have a- education and then look at the ways that anti-blackness is shown in both areas. So what is anti-black racism, right? Like I keep throwing this word around and we're like, okay, Zoya, like Racism, we already know what racism is. Why do you need to make it complicated? Why is it now anti-Black racism? Well, I'll give you, I'll tell you. Anti-Black racism is defined here as policies and practices rooted in Canadian institutions, such as education, healthcare, and justice, that mirror and reinforce beliefs, attitudes, prejudice, and stereotyping and slash or discrimination towards people of Black African descent. So the term anti-black racism was first expressed by Dr. Akua Benjamin uh, Ryerson, now known as Toronto Metropolitan University social work professor, right? So it seeks to highlight the unique nature of systemic racism on black Canadians and the history as well as experience of slavery and colonization of black, excuse me. It seeks to highlight the unique nature of systemic racism on black Canadians and the history as well as experiences of slavery and colonization of people of black African descent in Canada. There is a rich history of black people in Canada. a Very rich history. And yet we do not know it. I just the other day, for instance, I was talking to one of my close friends and um, I had made I was, like, there was a, it was a group of us, a couple of us hanging out and I made an off comment about like slavery or maybe my friend, one of the other friends did, but we made a comment about it. And so my one friend was saying like he was confused and he hadn't known that Canada has its own history of slavery. And so I was explaining to him that the difference between the United States and Canada was that Canada's slavery was more domestic, whereas um, the United States, just their environment and the way they were built was built more on cattle slavery. And so yes people some may argue that one was worse than the other but it's not they're all forms of racism and enslavement and i'm sorry you had canadians running to america for freedom the same way americans were running to canada for freedom right like they were all under the the yoke of slavery and it was terrible and yet we don't really talk about that or it's forgotten it's like this forgotten past of Canada, um, they get to whitewash it away with their Tim Hortons and maple syrup and their we say sorry here. And yet, because of how deeply rooted anti-black racism is within education and healthcare, like when it comes to healthcare, there is a disproportionate number of black healthcare practitioners, right? And when you step into a space where you want to be seen and heard, and understood you often want to go to people who look and reflect you or reflect things you're similar with right like if I play basketball and I want to talk about basketball don't I want to go to the person who knows most about basketball and while you may say Zoya well doctors are just supposed to know they don't actually they're Was a study going around or at least like a conversation, if not a study, there's a conversation going around about how um, health books don't explain how diseases often look like maybe things are starting to change now, but like health books don't explain how diseases and symptoms look like on black bodies. And often women, actually, I learned that in one of my women's and gender studies classes back when I was in my undergrad, um, where we were talking about like symptoms of like heart attacks in men versus women. So often the signs of women, um, like women don't get treated or uh, as quickly for their heart attacks because they're not as familiar, like we are not as a society more as familiar with them because we often test for males. And so we're like, well, if the symptoms are this, this and this, well, that's those are symptoms and it must be for both. And it's not that way. How a disease and how something is going to show up on black skin versus a non-black skin is going to look different. And if we are not providing the research and information for us to know what it looks like on black skin, then we are not receiving proper care and support. Black women are disproportionately dying giving birth to kids. Is that not mind-blowing to you? And yet we live in a society where we're judging people on whether or not they, like, have offsprings themselves. You're not even providing adequate care and help. And yet you're expecting people to be satisfied with these institutions because we've always used them. The justice system, you're having representation, or sorry, represent- representatives, sorry, I'm struggling here, representatives of you know, government entities and legal entities. And if they at their core do not understand the way that School systems have been built like pipelines to send kids, oh, suspension. Oh, okay. now we're expelled. And next thing you know, we're sending you into, you know, the criminal justice system for incidents off of first offenses and second offenses when their non-black counterparts are receiving more chances. And I think something that's important to highlight and people do all the time, but it's important to stress even more that the answer is not that. We are saying that black people can do no wrong or that, you know what, black people should just be treated, you know, better for when they're doing bad things. No. But what I want to see is the same opportunities and I don't know, experiences that we're seeing from non black people to black people that's where the conversation is if Johnny is given 40 chances and a little literally like what was that guy Kyle Ritten or what I'm gonna look it up give me a sec Kyle Howard Rittenhouse is an American man who shot three men fatally during a civil unrest right in Wisconsin in August 2020 when he was 17 years old this man was found not guilty right because he testified for self-defense and basically after that went on like a national tour right people were praising this man he became famous he got interviewed by donald trump jr right (laughs) are you are you do you understand this stuff like that does not happen to black people you don't get to kill somebody and end up on a national tour and have people congratulate you for self-defense you end up dead or in jail or you know what I mean? Like these are not the stories of black people. And so my conversation isn't that I want black people who kill people to end up on world tours. You're crazy if you think that that's what I'm saying. I spend every episode and I spend my life working to cause the least amount of harm. I'm not supporting black people that cause harm to other people in this world, but it would be, it would be appalling of me to pretend that the reason that you know unfair treatment is happening these un and these these like reinforced beliefs happen is because of anti-black racism and the homogenization of black people that it is so easy for you to think that oh the solution to black crime and the fact that you even like black crime is more policing when we don't think that the solution to like crime is more policing we're like oh there's an opioid issue Mm, we need services and we need to help these people crack crack is in the neighborhood lock them all up tear apart the families and lock them up right and so i think that that's where this push comes from in the last couple of years for black people to strive for mediocrity Some people find that the standards at which the, the black community is held to when it comes to success is too much, right? Like anything less than perfection is unacceptable. And what we're really talking about is not black excellence, but black exceptionalism. We have prettied up the word. I mean, like, like I said, I'm not saying there wasn't a need initially for black excellence because there was. In the 1960s, during the Civil Rights Movement, there was a need to bring and highlight the black community during segregation. It was important because they were making moves. And I mean, you know this because they burnt down Black Wall Street. They said you were doing too much. You're doing too good. Bye. So this excerpt is from Celluloid in Black and White. And it was republished by Forbes so I read it in Forbes um, but that's where it originally came from and it says this it's the notion that black people who are educated smart articulate poised and basically every other positive adjective you can think of are atypical or rarities among the general black population so what we're talking about is that it seems though only these individuals deserve not to feel the burden of their race right Because you are so educated and wonderful and great, you should not experience racism because that is so unfair to you. You were able to overcome your situation. And when we frame it that way, it positions it almost as if it was that black person's fault the whole time that there are literal systems that were built to force to keep them down. There are little systems. I mean, like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? During the civil rights movement, The fact that they would put these random rules in when it came to voting to disenfranchise black people to take away their power. Like, you know what I mean? There are these little things that we continue and we perpetuate these understandings in other ways. And so what I think we have to highlight with this black excellence thing, which is really black exceptionalism, is the ways that it ignores systemic barriers that actually create challenges for black people. So you're expecting Go to school, go to school, go to school, get your education. But if I am in a neighborhood where the funding, they're not funding my school properly. How am I going to receive the same education from somebody who is receiving full funding? You're going to a private school. Abbott Elementary, um, it's created by Quinta Brinson. Please, 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 if there is anything in this world I need you to do, and watch like if there was a show i was gonna tell you you need to watch please 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 i'm begging you i'm on the mic begging you watch that show it is so good it is so funny it is so well written it talks about so many issues without it being corny you know how me and my friend were talking about this recently so often i find that new media um they work so hard to be like so politically correct that they're not. Oh, let's add in all these fancy words. Oh, let's be trendy and let's make sure we get the kids of this generation. The other thing is it takes so long to produce some of these things that the terms and things you're using, babes, is old now. <laughs> it's old, but the issue wasn't. And if you worked harder on, developing the issue that you were talking about instead of throwing in these fancy catchphrades that you saw on the internet because it was trending or it was trending on twitter like if you worked harder on what the root of the issue was you would have better quality shows and so they're talking about the ways that you know the education system or schools charter schools you know get funding and you know public fundings don't we don't have these supplies they have this but in a real way and it really shows you the way that It's not that teachers aren't working hard or the students aren't working hard, but how am I supposed to be better than you when I started way further than you? And we've talked about these things before. This isn't a new conversation, but we forget it because we get these cute and quirky things like hashtag black excellence and we forget what it takes to be excellent. More often than not, really though, black exceptionalism has been used to humanize black people. So Cosmopolitan wrote an article about um, black excellence and their tagline really hit me and I wanted to share it. It says this black excellence is the highest badge of honor, but has it done more harm than good? And I want us to do this. Consider the stress and the burnout that comes with striving for excellence. The hours and the time dedicated to being the best, right? along with these things with black excellence, I think is strongly linked to the strong black woman stereotype, which already is so problematic in itself and could take another like hour to talk about, okay? Like that's another episode in itself, right? Like who is supporting the strong black woman when we all seem to be depending on her, right? Like the reason we're making it is because of this great strong black woman in my life, but who is helping her make it? And so Society is always telling people about what they should and shouldn't do. Society is always telling black people that they're not good enough. And while it was needed in the civil rights movement to highlight the black community, it seems to me like many other black resistance actions bastardized. Black excellence to me has been bastardized because it refuses to acknowledge the ways that systemic barriers hinder black success and opportunities and acknowledgments. You had the Grammys just pass, right? An award show to highlight success. And it did what it does every year. Ignore black success, right? Like you get the people, the names up there. I'm not saying no black people won. Somebody probably angry. Zoya, didn't Lizzo win record of the year? And I know she did. I know. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know I'm happy. But how much work and time and effort did it take before Lizzo? Think about her achievements and all the things she's done. Before she received her Black Excellence Award. And no, no. The award wasn't called Black Excellence, but we recognized her because it wasn't before Whitney Houston that somebody, a black woman received that award. Whitney Houston. Who else received these awards? What were their contributions and their awards and their success? What are their accolades? You must I black person. I feel like you heard this. You must be twice as good to get half as far. And I think black people are tired of knowing that truth and expecting to produce twice as much effort when you don't receive twice as much the love. Give people their flowers before they die. I wanted to end this episode with talking about Nepo babies like really quickly because um, people often think that, oh, we hate people for just being rich. We hate people who get things. We don't hate you because you're rich. We hate your inability to acknowledge the way that your parents may have helped alleviate it, the burdens of life, financial, maybe your inability to acknowledge the ways that doors were open for you. Your inability to acknowledge the ways that certain things were made easier to you. We talk about the fact that, like, um, Beyonce doesn't have the same 24 hours as, like, me. Same with the nepo babies. I'm sorry. If you can have a driver and somebody cooking your food and maybe a nanny or two, you know, somebody picked out your clothes, your mom worked for a huge magazine, maybe your father was a director, and you can't think about how that may have, I don't know, helped you in your acting career. I don't know, your dad's a director. I'm sorry, that didn't that didn't help your acting career. My mom writes a lot of emails. You don't think I'm a better writer because of that? Nepotism, <laughs> no, I'm joking. So you can't deny certain names hold weight, okay? And they open doors. And I want to say this Because with black excellence, some of those doors and barriers were ones you had to force open. And you're not even guaranteed to receive your roses and accolades. But I'd like to end this episode on a good note. I actually think that the rejection of these things is amazing because it shows critical thinking you don't need everything at all times i think that to know that something was needed at a certain point because of a certain reaction is good and to know that maybe what is needed now at this point is something different is good and i think what we need to recognize is maybe i'm not saying don't recognize greatness because we should actually I spend all the time talking about how we're not recognizing how great the black community is, how vital they are to our culture and the world that we have today. Our speech, our music, our style, what's in fashion, trending, all of that. So obviously, give our black people the roses they deserve. But to say and expect that every black person wants to strive for excellence I'm sorry, there are so many people coasting. You know, one thing I really learned when I got older was that imposter syndrome. I'm not saying it's easy. I have a lot of anxiety. So like I work with these things. I'm always thinking about this. But you realize that most of these people do not know what they're doing. And they're not as smart as they claim to be. Or you think they were going to be in these positions. The strive for this excellence exceptionalism is not my goal anymore i want to live a fulfilling life and i feel like more and more people are striving for that the work-life balance that i am working on myself to fulfill myself and if excellence is what you see from my actions then that is great but my scale of success and excellence will not be one set by society based on school and things you can make in your career, and capitalism. But instead on be a good person, <laughs> can we be a good person this year? Okay, that, that should be our goal. That's a wrap for this episode, y'all. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. Make sure to follow us on our socials, Black Sprout on Instagram and Twitter, B-L-C-K-S-P-R-O-U-T. And make sure to join the newsletter by clicking the link in our bio. Stay tuned for the next episode. Bye. This podcast was produced by Zoya Davis.